And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, April the 14th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On April 14th, 1865, President Abraham Lincoln was shot and mortally wounded by John Wilkes Booth. He shot him during a performance of Our American Cousin at Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C. Today in 1828, the first edition of Noah Webster's American Dictionary of the English Language was published. Today in 1902, James Cash Penny opened his first store. It was called The Golden Rule. He opened it in uh, Kemmer, Wyoming. That would not be the last store that he would open. We know his stores as J.C. Penny. Today in 1912... The Titanic collided with an iceberg in the North Atlantic at 11.40 p.m. ship's time. It began sinking. The ship went under two hours and 40 minutes later with the loss of 1,514 lives. Today in 1935, Black Sunday. Dust storm descended upon Central Plains, turning a sunny afternoon into total darkness. That was the beginning of what we know as the Dust Bowl, and the migration out of that area began almost instantly. Thousands, if not millions, left the, the Midwest because of the Dust Bowl effect, m- many of them moving to California. One year ago today, Tesla CEO Elon Musk ordered, uh, offered to buy Twitter. He said the social media platform he criticized for not living up to free speech principles needed to be transformed as a private company. So he spent, what was it? Was it $41 billion, something like that? Bought the company. Now he's the full owner six months later. I think he's found that that's a bigger challenge than he thought it was going to be. But he's still apparently on task. And he found that many, millions and millions and millions of the so-called subscribers and users on Twitter were just robots. They weren't real customers. Interesting. Jack uh, Teixeira, the 21-year-old Massachusetts Air National Guard, has been accused of leaking the documents the, de- the Defense Department says contain sensitive and highly classified material. He's been charged this morning with unauthorized retention and transmission of national defense information, willful retention, and classified documents. Uh, Teixeira was wearing handcuffs and a khaki prison uniform this morning, a jumpsuit. He did not. He appeared in a federal court in Boston. He didn't uh, enter a plea. He was ordered detained pending a detention hearing, hearing set for this next Wednesday, the 19th. The appearance at the federal court comes after he was taken into custody, the news media says, by the FBI less than 24 hours after he had released these documents. They found him at his home in North, is it Dighton, I think, Massachusetts. I do not in any way, as you would know if you know me, in any way support what he did. Anyone that would do something like that that would harm America should be punished. Even though President Biden has been saying, and I've I've seen him say it on video twice, he's probably said it more, but he's been saying that that none of this seems to be consequential of the information that was released. He's not using those words, but he gives you the idea 
that it's not that big a deal as far as any harm to the United States. Others are not saying that. They're saying, no, it, it, it is harmful to the United States. But this is just me, and I haven't read this anywhere, so it, just between you and me. There's something about this whole thing that just doesn't feel right to me. I'm not, I haven't spent all night thinking about it, but boy, it just doesn't seem something, I don't know, it just doesn't seem right. Something doesn't set with me in my, just in my spirit as I, as I have thought about it. And as I mentioned it again this morning, it's interesting that so many things happen, crimes happen, and I mean leaks from the Supreme Court about the abortion situation. We still don't know who leaked that. And yet they nabbed this kid, and he, man, he looks like he's about 13 years old. I mean, he's 21. He's a Massachusetts Air National Guardsman. He had high, the, a high level, maybe the highest level of security, I, I read. Someone had reported that. But uh, there's just something about this whole thing that just doesn't seem right to me. We'll see how it turns out, and uh, maybe we'll never know why some crimes that are committed can be can be solved so quickly and others go on for months and years. And sometimes we, the people, never know. Just a thought. We'll see what happens. On Wednesday night, three Republican-appointed justices and judges, rather, on an appeals court, they issued a ruling that would restrict access to mifepristone, the abortion pill. But it has not gone yet gone into effect. Yesterday, a Democrat-appointed judge issued a, con- a contrary ruling ordering the FDA not to restrict access to the drug in certain states. Now, the New York Times is out with another major story today, and they are again trying to guide the narrative and guide the thinking of America. Not because everybody reads the New York Times. They don't. But the, all the other news media do read it. And they write their stories according to what they say. I said this yesterday. I say it again. The New York Times, it, as far as I'm concerned, is... is <laughs> anyway. Um, but the other media follow the Times. The Post, Washington Post follows it. All of these major big cities and some of the little media uh, markets as well. Because they can follow what they're saying. They know that it's pretty much true-to-form, leftist kind of material. And they can follow that and they can either copy their their story and they can broadcast it on local TV stations, parts of it, or they can write it in local newspapers. And they can stay true to the narrative, the drumbeat of the leftist movement. And they know that. So they do that. and Because they know that whatever the New York Times says, they probably agree with it if it has to do with national policy. So that's why it's important to follow what the New York Times says because other, so many other news outlets follow them and they just echo or parrot what the Times is saying. So anyway, the Justice Department announced that it's going to ask the Supreme Court to resolve this dispute. That caught my attention. If the court agrees to do so, it will likely happen on a faster timetable the Times says, than many other cases. Well, it will. It will come as what some people refer to as a shadow docket. It won't go through the process. And this happens from time to time. 
So it'll happen very quickly. But nobody knows how quickly and nobody knows if the Supreme Court will accept this. But if the Supreme Court, and just I'm just saying that, don't be surprised if you see this all of a sudden burst into the news because there, this goes on behind the scenes. But it's been done by both conservatives and the leftists, okay? So anyway, this may happen. It may not, but it may happen. New York Times is aware of that, of course, and they're kind of signaling all the other media across the country this morning to sort of run stories on this or to stay tuned because we may win this, you know, abortion pill thing and all of that. But if the Supreme Court should rule against the abortion pill and the far left, my thought, and again, this is just my thought, but I'm wondering if this won't be the trigger for them to make an all-out attempt to pack the court. In other words, add three or four or five additional justices and make them all activists, far-left activist justices, as the ones that Obama has put on the, on the court already, and certainly the one that Joe Biden placed on the court more recently. So this may be the setup for them to try to pack the court if the Supreme Court refuses or if the Supreme Court should hear the case and rule in favor of pro-life. We'll see what happens. But just just a heads up, there'll be much, much more on this in the days to come, I can promise you. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Sometimes when the world is so crazy and out of control and everything seems to be going in the opposite direction of what it should, We should take a deep breath and read the word of the Lord. One of the verses that I like to read often when I have challenges and difficulties that are bigger than my ability to deal with them sometimes, I read Psalm 91. Do you ever do that? I I bet a lot of you do. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. John 14, 27 tells us, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That is the word of the Lord. That's the most important thing I have to say today. I have some other things to say, but that is the most important of all. God's word, what God thinks, what God says. Because God is in control. He is. Sometimes it's apparent. We say, yay, and praise the Lord for things that happen. And sometimes we don't understand the things that are happening. But God is in control. I got a... um, I got an email from someone yesterday who uh, they read the article that I wrote. I don't know if this person, I'm not sure where they are from, what they're, where they live. But anyway, they, they sent this email to me and uh, said, thank you, Gary, for today's article. There is no compromise. We talked about compromise yesterday. There is no compromise for those who are in Christ. We need to stay with what God says. When Republicans start compromising on principles or moral rightness and give in, they will lose more principled Christian voters. God bless you. To God be all the glory. And and this 
lady signs her name. Um, that's true for sure. And I it, it prompted me to think that this whole thing that's happening in the compromise that we talked about yesterday, uh, that is that is been being constantly infused into our culture. And what compromise what makes compromise so dangerous, we talked about it yesterday for most of our time on the air. What makes it so dangerous is the subtle way that it approaches us. Compromise by definition doesn't involve a kind of a wholesale capitulation to worldly ways or ideals. Instead, it accommodates them. Most of us would recoil at the thought of, say, tossing Jesus aside and embracing an idol. But compromise never asks us to do that. Compromise says that we can have the idol and keep Jesus too, whatever that idol may be. There's room on the shelf for more than one object of worship, right? I mean, don't be so narrow-minded. The whole idea that there's only one way to God through Jesus, as Oprah would say, and has said often, it just isn't fair, it isn't equitable. Other religions have their way to God. There are many ways to God. You have your way through Jesus. That's that's good. But other religions and other people have their own path to God. So if you kind of don't accept that, which we kind of don't on this program, uh, for sure, then you become the outlier. You become the problem. That is how, that's how compromise works in the world in which we live. There's room for many beliefs. And we're multicultural and multi-beliefs in this country. So who are you to say that your religion is right and all these others are wrong. We have to be a common. God is love. And on and on it goes. That's the way it works. But the political left, they call this process incrementalism. And they never stop doing that. And they it considers to be, to them, to be a very political, uh, an excellent political strategy. And you will see Democrats and leftists doing this day in and day out. They don't ask you, until more recently, this administration, who knows what they're going to say, but they generally don't ask you to throw out God and the Bible and Jesus. Oh, no. But just be love like God has told you to do and love everyone else. And if you love them, you'll accommodate them. And they're as right as you are Who are you to think you're the only one that's right about eternal life and about God and about life and about women's health care, a.k.a. abortion, and on and on it goes. Very important that we stay tuned to the truth in the days in which we live. What our leaders, our elected leaders, believe turn into reality in our real lives, in our communities. Elections have consequences. Beliefs have consequences. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Businesses are closing because of crime in Democrat-run cities. Representative Jim Jordan, he's a Republican, a very smart guy, 
Republican from Ohio, he noted on Wednesday of this week, he pointed to three examples. He said, in America, there's three outstanding cities. Many, he said, are problem, but he said three stand out. New York City, Portland, Oregon, San Francisco. He said they are all seeing businesses closed down because of crime. It's happening in many cities, but he pointed out these three because it's epidemic in these three. They are, of course, run by the far, far left. There are other cities. Seattle is, is, is there. Others as well. But Jordan tweeted this. He's linked to a news story of why a major retail uh, store closed in San Francisco this week. Policies, he said, do have consequences. I would add so do elections. We should elect more Jim Jordans to Congress. New York City, Portland, San Francisco, all seen businesses shut down. NBC also reported this week that a flagship Whole Foods market location in San Francisco has been closed until the store can ensure its employees' safety. The store says they can't. And many are saying that are close to this closing of a major store, they say it will never open again. They're not alone. Other retailers in the city are also closing due to crime. For example, despite increased security, theft, Walmart, it isn't just Whole Foods, Walmart and Walgreens stores in San Francisco has skyrocketed crime. They can't control the crime in their own stores and in their parking lots. So they have closed those stores as well. If New York City is the safest big city in America, and that's what the leftist Democrats have been telling us, then why are so many people leaving? Jordan asked that question in a follow-up on uh, yesterday. He said there are 100 people murdered in New York City in the first 99 days of 2023. According to data published by the New York Police Department, during the same period there were 408 crime complaints for alleged rapes, 4,102 for alleged robberies, and 6,742 for alleged felony assaults. Sounds like they're off to a good start in 2023. Jordan said Americans are fleeing Democrat-run cities and states. Wholesale. Every one of the 10 cities anchoring a metropolitan area with the most home buyers looking to relocate rather than enter has a leftist mayor. Every one of them. And it results of in a kind of a migration. Redfin the real estate, national real estate company, redfin.com, they did a survey of it. And uh, here's what they found. They found two of the cities cited by Jordan, San Francisco and New York City, are number one and number three, respectfully, respectively, but among cities with the highest net outflow of home buyers. People really are leaving these cities. They're just moving away. According to the study, Los Angeles has the second highest net flow. San Francisco is run by Democrat Mayor London Breed, while Democrat Eric Adams is the mayor of New York City. KPT, uh, KPTV 12 in Portland, Oregon, reported, Walmart's departure from Portland shines a light on rampant pro- property crime. It's a problem that's not secret to many business owners, they say, around the Eastport Plaza in southeast Portland. Fox 12 spoke to multiple local business owners, they say, in their own report. 
And they all point to crime as the main reason many are leaving Southeast 82nd Avenue, including Walmart, through a spokesperson for Walmart told Fox 12 that there was no single reason. There are many reasons. And then they go on to say that they could not continue to keep the store open because of vandalism, shoplifting, and crime. This Daryl Hansen is a guy they quote. He lives uh, in the area, and he said he's owned his muffler shop on Southeast 82nd Avenue for nearly four decades. He said he's watched the surrounding neighborhood decline in recent years. He said the whole area has changed in the last 20 years, especially in the last 10 years. He said each year it keeps going down and down and down. This is a guy that owns a a muffler shop. He's not Walmart. He's a self-employed guy who's run a business for years, 40 years. He said more crime, garbage, homeless people, drugs. Nobody wants to help. He said he wasn't shocked when he heard Walmart was pulling out of the neighborhood, but he said it sure hurts the community. He said a lot of people depend on that store. He blames out-of-control crime in the area for Walmart's exit. He said he's watched fellow small businesses close and friends leave uh, in that area. He said, I have a lot of friends, a lot of friends. He said, I deal with before. And he said, I'm, they say I'm leaving Portland. Well, they left, Hanson said. That's like Walmart. They just left. Everybody's leaving. Channel 12 said the Eastport Plaza uh, has had, since uh, January of 2022 and, and the first part of 2023, there are 147 burglaries, 634 personal property thefts, 424 car thefts, 53 robberies, and three stolen property offenses. That's just what the police have reported. Hence, it said fellow business owners don't even call them anymore. They break out their windows. They break into their stores. They don't even call the police. They won't come anyway. And if they do, they don't do anything. It's amazing. He said, we're basically going through hell. And what? And we're going through really sad times. He said, we have no support, no backup. Hanson told the news media, he said, he's hoping something changes in the neighborhood surrounding his business. But he said, quote, that hope in the local business community is running out. Secular, so-called progressive ideas always lead to hopelessness. Myron Magnet wrote a piece a while back for City Journal suggesting that we stop using the word progressive to define the left. That caught my attention because I have a hesitation every time I... On this program, if I say the progressives, I always feel like they're not progressive. Should I be saying this? But that's how they define themselves and have become known by others defining them that way, so-called progressives. That is a formal word that's used, but I've felt uncomfortable with it, to be real honest with you. I mean, they're not progressive. They're regressive. They're horrible. And I, when I write in our my article that I put out every day, I usually... Uh, put it in parentheses. I mean, progressive, like as like so-called marriage for gay marriage and all that. So anyway, he he picked up on this and that caught my attention. He said political leftists call themselves progressives as a form of self-praise, an assertion that their polis- politics represent a higher consciousness than the prejudice of the mob of unthinking deplorables 
and will lead mankind to a sunny upland where human nature will transcend its baser impulses and peace and harmony will reign. Of course, that's the utopia of the left. He said conservatives should not indulge them in this self-deception. We should stop using progressive as a synonym for the noun lefty or the adjective left-wing. And I would add to that to the Marxists, the cultural Marxists. Magnet says the label progressive springs from the thought of philosopher Hegel, whose writings greatly influenced President Woodrow Wilson. He said Hegel moves from the lower stages of human consciousness to higher until finally it will purportedly reach its goal, man's full realization of human freedom, both in the sense of understanding and achieving it. History has a forward trajectory and arc whose shape and direction our first professor president, Woodrow Wilson, believed he could discern more clearly than the non-Ivy League masses. That would be all of us who didn't go to an Ivy League college. Oh, my. But he concludes with this. He says, progressive? Hardly. I think I leave it to you to think up a proper label for mobs who threaten to break into conservative pundits' homes or hound Trump administration officials out of restaurants for activists who verbally abuse a Fox News host or a reader of the new criterion on the subway. For now, he said, I'll stick with lefty. So-called progressivism is a religion, end of quote. I'm saying so-called progressivism is a religion. It's without a savior or any means of redemption. Its tenets are reminders of past sins with no possibility of forgiveness or restoration. That's what we're living with in this country today. That's the thinking that I just shared is what has gotten us here. Judeo-Christian values and principles are the bedrock upon which this country was founded. The leftist, the cultural Marxist ideologies that have infiltrated our country, they have ruined our schools, are ruining our communities. They've created a cloud of hopelessness, anxiety, and despair. And have even created an army and an enemy within. That is to be feared, in my opinion, it's to be feared far more than the enemy outside the gates. That's where we are today. A false religion based on Marxist ideologies that fails every single time. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. If we can come to that understanding, our world would be different Our nation, our communities, our schools, our functionality would be so much different. Not that we become a a religious country in the sense of like Islam does to countries. Not at all. But if we would just turn to Jesus and to the Bible and the principles of God's word, it would solve the problems of the culture and it would settle our destiny for eternity if we accept Jesus Christ as Savior. Hey, thanks for being with me today. Always a pleasure. Thank you for your support. We need it. Each radio program that you're hearing on, a, on your radio needs to be supported. So thank you. Box 399-Bellevue, 98009. I'll see you Monday.